In today's spiritual warfare, are we fighting a chess-like war? Let's find out and let's go bold. Scott Patton, thank you all for joining us today for the Go Bold Podcast. Please consider hitting that like, subscribe, and share button on our YouTube channel. We appreciate every single subscriber we get on YouTube, so uh, we'd appreciate if you would like us and also make some comments. Also, we'd appreciate if you would like and follow our Facebook page at the Go Bold Network. And finally, check out our website at the GoBoldNetwork.net. That's the GoBoldNetwork.net. You know, the greatest strategic danger to the lost and silent is timid Christians. Yes, and we're going to call out the deception. We're going to call out the persecution of all Christians in all forms, and we will be bold, and we're going to stand up for King Jesus against the Council of the Marxist culture. Now to our main story today in spiritual warfare, and the question that I have for you, are we fighting a chess-like war? A lot of times we put this analogy on this, this spiritual warfare that we're fighting. But unfortunately, I believe that many good disciples of Jesus and shepherds have this wrong. Here's the deal. As you recall in the previous podcast, we looked at how we can apply grand strategy perspective to spiritual warfare. Now, I've applied grand strategy for a number of years in the military world, but how do we do that in the spiritual warfare context? The Bible gives us a number of magnificent grand strategists, and that's how it's going to kind of tie in today if this is a chess-like war. We're going to cover a lot of them in the future podcast, and I can tell you that Moses, oh, man, was he a grand strategist. So was Joshua, just to name a few. But the one that we're going to focus on today is the prophet Daniel. Now, the book of Daniel gives us an incredible example on how God fights at the what the strategic level. You remember that chart that I showed you last week, and and that's kind of get we get at. We look at how can we transition with these incredible examples that we see in God's Word and the and the and the um, in the Book of Daniel. And we could also see from an operational and a tactical level of spiritual warfare. Now again. From a grand strategy perspective, we must understand the levels of war, and you see that in the chart. We're, we fight at the strategic, the operational, and the tactical level of war. Now, now, just let me explain something to you. At the strategic level, that's primarily God and his army of angels and the Holy Spirit and his army of angels, but we can influence it. Indeed, we can, and we're going to talk about how we do that today. The operational level, again, as you recall, is how we uh, leverage the power of the Holy Spirit on a on a broader scale that may be with a missionary strategy on our church planning strategy or maybe it's our fight against abortion our fight against a critical race here and intersectionality on at the national level and how we do that and then at the tactical level as you recall this is how individual churches uh, will, will share the gospel in those dirty boots uh, grounds of sharing the gospel and targeting uh, targeting brokenness and 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 targeting uh, uh, things that 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 Satan is doing to our children to God's children and we're gonna we're gonna fight that on all fronts but that's at the tactical war and you really see most of the pastors and me uh, especially I'm at the tactical level war the spiritual warfare now here's what I want you to think about but ask yourself this question now this at the strategic level 
I'm just going to tell you, God does not necessarily play chess. It may look like, and he is moving chess pieces more than likely on a chessboard, but let me explain what I'm talking about here. There was a, Eric Leifer is an American sociologist, and he did a neat uh, research study. He asked a bunch of chess grandmasters how many maneuvers they prefer uh, they pre-calculate. So in other words, how many, how many maneuvers that you, you pre-calculate? A lot of people will do that in, in chess games. With the grandmasters, the answer overwhelmingly was none to one maneuver. Now, what do you think about that? Rather than working backward from an end point and then winning the game, instead they develop it as a move-by-move move time. Now, as we have disciples of Jesus have to fight one move at a time, we do. But one apparent reason that we do that is simply this, is, is, is chess is a competitive game, and the, opponent, uh, the, po- the opponent's movements cannot be predicted. A lot of times we cannot predict what Satan's going to do, but we got an idea. But this is where we leverage King Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God. Now, here's the thing. But what if you're the king of the universe, and you're playing this game of chess at the strategic level, and you're pl- moving the chess pieces around? But here's the thing. The ultimate, the ultimate chess game is this game of life. And this ultimate chess game is how, how can we help, how can we expand God's kingdom? And you already know, because here's the thing, you already know the outcome. Checkmate happened. Checkmate happened the day that Jesus won our victory at Calvary. Yes, indeed. When he said, you see the picture there, when he said, it is finished, and John 19.30, sty. Even though our sovereign God knows the outcome, he knows the outcome of this fight, I want you to know this. How do we get through it, and how do we influence that? And I believe we can influence still, even though he knows the outcome, we can still individually influence our circumstance with vigilant prayers. And I believe you can influence the outcome, yes, just as the prophet Daniel did so many times. And he did it through vigilant prayers, and he also did it with consistent prayers. I want to take you to a verse of Scripture here. And it says, Revelation twenty two twenty one. But I want you to think about this for a second. What if I told you, I know the future because I can with 100% tell you how this game on earth ends. Yes, disciples of Jesus will be on the winning team. That is guaranteed. Satan does not win this fight. Uh, Revelation 22:21 says simply this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You know, folks, that is the last verse of the Bible. Yes, indeed, that's the last verse of the Bible. And that last word in the Bible says amen. It doesn't say omen. I want you to let that sink in because we are not omens from Satan. Uh-uh. We are amens. I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't believe in some dead Jew in a Palestinian tomb. I believe my king is the king of the universe. He's living, he's breathing, and he's here today. And the last word in the Bible in the book of Revelation says amen, not omen. That's kind of a big deal, I'd just say. Now, let me kind of pull on this thread a little bit and kind of give you this from a how we can look at this from a strategy perspective because that's what this is about. There was a late colonel. His name was Harry Summers. Now, Harry was a, uh, a, a, I would call him a grand strategist. He wrote a lot for the U.S. Army War College, a lot, wrote a lot in the publications there. You see a picture of him. He was a Vietnam veteran. But um, um, he, he wrote a lot of things for um, 
about doctrine, and he really thought about he was a really good strategic thinker. And that's how I, and I've read a lot of his work and a lot of his articles, and I've read a lot of his books over the years. But he, he published this book called On Strategy for the Vietnam War, kind of a take from, you know, Clausewitz wrote On Strategy, and he did it for On Strategy for the Vietnam War. He liked to tell a tale, familiar story, that served in Vietnam. And he, he, he told this tale. In April of 1975, after the, uh, the war was over, uh, uh, Colonel Summers was in this delegation. It was dispatched to Hanoi, Vietnam. And the airport, he got into a conversation with a North Vietnamese colonel named Colonel Tu. Now, Colonel Tu spoke some broken English, and as old soldiers do, they began to talk shop. And after a while, Colonel Sumners said to Colonel Tu, he said, you know, you never defeated us on the battlefield. Colonel Tu thought about it for a moment. And after a minute, he kind of looked perplexed. And then he said, that might be so, but it's also irrelevant. I want you to let that sink in. This analogy I just gave you from the Vietnam War is very, very similar to how Satan does in our life. You see, the U.S. Army won, won nearly every major tactical battle in Vietnam, all of them. But in the end, it didn't matter. We lost the fake news media, and we lost the government no matter what we did, you're seeing right now, you're seeing today before Kabul falls, you're seeing the same thing in Afghanistan. At the tactical level of war, at the operational level of war, had a lot of victories. We win a lot of things. But in the end, it didn't matter. It didn't matter because we couldn't, we could not, we could not win at the strategic level. But here's the thing. My point is, Satan is going to get his wins at the tactical and the operational level. Yes, he will. And some days it feels like he's winning. But I'm going to tell you this, he is not going to win at the strategic level. This is where God has already said, our Lord and Savior uh, already said, has already called checkmate. Now, you, if you just think about it, you just because you just look at Satan is going to get his wins. You just look at what Satan is doing right now. He is getting his wins at the tactical level. You're seeing it. You're seeing his infiltration with this liberal uh, very liberal and democratic socialist movement that's moving through our churches right now. That is this foregoing a lot of the gospel. You've seen this in the Southern Baptist Convention where we say we kind of believe in the Baptist faith and message, but we're doing a lot of things that contradict it. Now, this is happening all across America, and yes, and sometimes it feels like Satan is getting his wins. But let me tell you something. This is nothing new in God's domain. Satan is going to get his wins at the tactical level, but at the strategic level, he's not going to win. Because here's what I want you to understand. And this is why I think the book of Daniel is such a great resource on how we fight spiritual warfare at the strategic and the operational level. Okay, if we're grand strategists, there was no better grand strategists on this earth than Daniel. But I want to read some scripture uh, to you. I want to read a scripture to you. In Daniel chapter 2, verses um, uh, 21 and 22, he says simply this. He changes times and seasons. Uh, he deposes kings and raises up others. I want you to pay attention to that passage. As you look at it there on the screen, he changes times, he changes seasons. He deposes kings, he raises others up. Daniel referring to is our Lord. 
He is changing times and seasons. He's been doing this for a long time at the strategic level. There is a reason that kings are in place. He puts them in there. He disposes them. Look what he says. He deposes kings, and he raises others up. I'm going to finish the verse here. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. That would be us. This is what I'm talking about. This is where you, as a, as a disciple of Jesus, or if you are a pastor for the bride of Christ, this is where we can lean on uh, uh, this, this, this how we can influence things at the strategic level with wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. But I want you to look at verse 22. He also says he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light and dwells with him. He changes times and seasons. He gives wisdom to the wise. Now, this scripture is, I think, guys, is absolutely fascinating. And let me give you some context of what happened here. Because I just don't like to just read scripture and, and, and try to apply it to our narrative. You see a lot of pastors do that. You see a lot of Internet people do that. But you have to understand what the passage actually means. And, and if you look at this in context, uh, Daniel was interpreting a dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, during the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, the king had this disturbing dream. You're probably familiar with this if you're in, familiar with the book of Daniel. But in his distress, he asked a bunch of his royal uh, advisors to explain the dream. However, um, they refused, and they made up a bunch of excuses, and, and he got so mad at them, he was ready just to, to, to really, uh, he was ready to just kill all of his prophets. But Daniel stepped up and said, I can interpret this. Now, his other name was Belteshazzar. Now, and he was called in to interpret the dream. Now, after seeking God and prayer, Daniel understood the dream. And he explains it to the king. And this is why this story in Daniel is so important. Because Nebuchadnezzar's empire was vast. It was powerful. It would be very, it would be very similar to what the United States is today. And God is using this young man. Now, remember, this is in chapter 2 of Daniel. So, so if you think about this in context, Daniel's not this old man yet. He's probably in his early 20s, maybe. God is using a young man to vastly, vastly influence the most powerful nation in the world at this time. Let that sink in. This nation was, I would say, ever been as powerful as Russia or U.S., to some degree China. But this is how this game is played at a strategic level. Okay, I want you to think about this. We're at the grand strategy level. This is strategic because Daniel spent so much time in prayer and he gave, what did he give? He gave wisdom, he gave discerning, and he was able to influence this with the king of Babylon. Now, Daniel gives us a great example now how we could fight and influence at the strategic level. It's simply fervent prayers, yes, yes. And yes, the king of the universe, he's going to, at times, he's going to influence on our behalf. Just imagine that. You can talk to the king of the universe, the, the, the greatest power, anytime you want. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, any time. But half the time, we never use him. We don't. We have too many times. We, we're, we're spending too much time. And this little phone, we spend too much time on Facebook. Too much time on watching YouTube and different things. And TikTok. Seeing who's twerking next. Yeah. But if we just ask the king of the universe, he can change the outcome of things, of worldly great events. Yes. Worldly great events. It can be as small as healing a sick person uh, that has a Delta variant of COVID 
that you're praying for in your church. It could be, it could be a life-changing event that you can have when somebody comes to Christ. But it could be also be as large as influencing a president or a presidential election. And I want you to just let that, that, that sink in. He has chosen to use our prayers to accomplish not our purpose, not Scott's purpose, his purpose. Prayer is a means to an end. It reveals, it reveals our faith and our reliance on him. Remember, our purpose in spiritual warfare is twofold. Our purpose, our task, okay, is to expand God's kingdom. One of our assistants here at the church and I were talking about how we were really happy with our, our numbers at Sunday school today and and and, and our, our, our attendance numbers in church and how we see it online. And then we got to talking, you know, numbers don't matter in the end. And that's true. We always look at them. But here's the thing, because because my task is not to expand my church or the or God's church as a pastor. My my job is not to do that. My job is to expand God's kingdom and the purpose. That's my task. And the purpose is to glorify God. You know, my first war as a young soldier was Operation Desert Storm. I was a young strapping lieutenant with the 101st Airborne. I thought I was all that. I was what you call a fire support officer, but basically I was a port observer with an infantry company. Now, the commander of Operation Desert Storm was a guy named Schwarzkopf. Storman Norman Schwarzkopf. He was a four-star general. Now, while we were fighting in that war, and we did several air assaults into Iraq, and, and was, history was made, and, and we won that war pretty fast in about four days of ground portion. But there was never a time when I was in that war and fighting that I could just call up old Norman Schwarzkopf when things got out of sorts with the enemy. Oh, no, no, I couldn't. I couldn't call up Norman Schwarzkopf. I was the second lieutenant. I could not call the entire commander of all U.S. forces and the Allied forces in Iraq at the time and my little infantry company. Hey, Norm, i got a little problem over here. Our division commander, his name was J.H. Benford P. the third. Yes, he was a good commander, a two-star general. He couldn't even call it Schwarzkopf. Now, here's the difference in spiritual warfare and military warfare. You can have a direct, you and I, right now, have a direct line to the king of the universe anytime, anywhere, anyplace. I want you to let that sink in. Look at that next picture. You see, we have President Biden. We have President Xi. We have President Putin. You could also stick Trump in there or George W. Bush or Barack Obama. Okay, he changes times and seasons. I know a lot of people were, and whether you, you know, he deposes kings, he raises up others, he gives wisdom to the wise and, and knowledge to the discerning. And I want you to think about this. Our king, well, he's in charge. It's kind of a big deal. There's a reason whether you love Joe Biden or hate Joe Biden, and I know he's done some evil things already. He's done some very evil things with abortion, with uh, proposals, with uh, gender uh, sex changes for four-year-olds. I know. And these things are going against Scripture. I know. And you say, well, God, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you put this person in charge? Because he changes times and he changes seasons. 
he deposes kings and he raises others up. I know there are many, there are there, there, a lot of the Southern Baptist elites did a huge political turmoil because they didn't like Donald Trump, you know, like Russell Moore and some of those, those crowds. And they just, they griped about Trump all the time. Again, what I would tell them, he changes times and he changes seasons. There is a reason that Joe Biden's in office right now. And there's a reason that Donald Trump was in office. There is a reason some very, very evil men like President Z is in charge of China right now, who's who's probably doing one of the biggest Holocaust things we've ever seen with the Yugers, the Muslim Yugers in China. Putin in charge of his respected country, another just evil, evil man. You're wondering why did that happen? Because here's the thing, guys. He deposes president. I want you to look at this next picture. I want you to look at this next picture of our king, of our king, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He deposes presidents. He raises others up. There is a strategic plan that God has in the office of president for America or anywhere else for that matter. And I want to tell you guys, Jesus has been doing this. Our Lord and Savior has been doing this for a matter of centuries. He's not just been doing this uh, uh, in the book of Daniel. There's a strategic reason the Lord puts kings in. There's a strategic reason that he puts presidents in. There's a reason that that Como guy, that that sexual harasser and evil man was the governor of New York. He puts him in and he takes him out. Whether you're a Trumper, whether you're Obama, whether you're Biden, whether you're Z, whether you're Putin, whether you're Merkel, whether you're in charge of the whole world, I'm going to tell you something. They're mere figureheads. They're mere figureheads in God's world. They don't have a vote in it. Seems like they do. It seems like they're powerful. Because someday, someday, the lamb will lay down with the lion. The lamb will lay down. I want you to look at this next picture. The king of kings, the Lord is Lord. You see those big crowns? You see that chess piece? Now, here's how you can play chess with the king of the universe. You see, the king of the universe already has, already has, it's being called checkmate. Now, if you want to play chess after checkmate, that's basically what we're doing. I could go still capture your pawn, your rook, your queen, your knight. I can go. Ca- I can capture those. Uh, I can capture those right now. And yeah, Satan's gonna capture mine. But guess what? Guess what? He's he's gonna get his wins. But guess what? Checkmate's already been called. Our God, our Lord and Savior. Rules the universe, do not fear, as well as the purpose of Daniel, which was to prepare God's people to remain faithful in righteousness in times of great trouble. You're seeing this today. You're seeing this in our country, through the horrible things that are going on. Prepare yourself to be challenged, to live a righteous life for God and this crooked and depraved generation in which you will shine like stars of the universe. You just think I made that up? No, that's from Philippians 2.15. He changes times and seasons. Yes, indeed. Jesus reigns all over the world. This is what I want to declare today. In the midst of this, this amazing political upheavals we see with the communist takeover and the Marxist takeover in the United States and the fake and the horrible news media, and you're seeing this Marxist and socialist takeover uh, of many of the of the large uh, denominations of churches. Jesus Christ is still the ruler. He's the ruler of all kings. He's the president. He can rule over presidents. He can rule over chiefs. He can rule over premiers, the governors, prime minister. Jesus Christ does it. I want you to think about this. 
if the President of the United States, the leader of the world, says to Jesus, and I can see some of them doing this, how can you be the ruler over me? Some might add. This is how these, these secularists think. We have our office by the election of the people of the United States. We're a sovereign nation by virtue of the constitutional and inauguration. I'm in charge. You want Jesus going to answer? I have my office as ruler over you by God's election, by the virtue of my resurrection from the death on the cross at Calvary. Yes, that day that Jesus Christ walked 200 meters, or I'm sorry, he walked we got 600 meters up the Via Del Rosa Road with a 200-pound cross on his back. His indestructible life and his installation was at God's right hand. When Jesus rose from the dead, God exalted him, gave him the name above every name, that every name, that every knee will bow, and that includes all the rulers of this earth. And Jesus is alive today, and he is presiding from heaven to earth over all rulers, over all the universe. And he isn't playing chess, but he is playing chess from a perspective that he's already won because he did at Calvary. And that is how we go bold today. God bless you and go bold.